Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. You know, it's uh, Sunday morning. Brother Randy and Mary Green is here from uh, the guests in the Rainbow City area. And talking about the righteousness of God, which is about one of my favorite subjects to, to study, to minister, to live out of. You know, until you know you're righteous, you don't, you're not going anywhere. And it's kind of funny about that thing. Is you say, well, I know that. Well, you do know it. But as you keep on living life a little bit forward, you'll get in a situation to where, and the reason why it is that, you know, nothing in the world works, in our natural world works this way, in the way of grace. In other words, you just like, well, I just won't show up for three days of work, and they'll just say, well, you're under grace. We'll just pay you anyway. Well, you're going 100 miles an hour. Well, I'm not under the law. You just tell the state trooper I'm under grace. And he says, yeah, and here's your ticket, and you're also under arrest along with your grace. So you really don't have anything that works this way. So we kind of get in and think, you know, that God is about as good to us as, as we are to, to other people. And they are to us. And we, we forget what Jesus did for us because he was good. So we start relating to God based on us. And it comes out of human behavior. And we got we to gotta keep that out of us because all that is is religion. And it doesn't work. I said it doesn't work. And Sunday night, boy, we had a big time. You know, uh, Pastor Billings, he came over and he was talking about the kingdom of God. And oh, by the way, that's one of my favorite subjects, the, the kingdom of God. The New Testament's everything about the kingdom, isn't it? And if we don't understand how the kingdom works, Jesus said, you won't understand anything. He said in the, uh, in the parable, or we call the parable of the sower, but he, says, he said, if you do not understand the principles of the kingdom, then you'll never understand the operation of the kingdom, how anything will work. So a lot of times people say, well, and there's popular book titles out and uh, people say, and then you hear this question asked a lot, but a lot of people have written books on it from every uh, part of the church world and denomination. And boy, you get a lot of answers. And they'll say, why do bad things happen to good people? And, uh, and I won't begin to even get into that tonight because we'd be here for a while. And sometimes it's because we uh, are basically, you know, we're we're living in a fallen world, although we're not part of that. We're redeemed from the world, but there's still things around us. Right. So we have to exercise our authority and who we are. Sometimes bad things happen to good people because good people do uh, stupid things. And some people just want to be stupid and don't want to change. So kind of sometimes it's kind of hard to fix stupid if you don't want to change. But you don't have to be stupid, do you? No, we don't have to. So we're not here to name call, but I'm just saying a lot of things happen for a lot of reasons. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's just some people, uh, and you get this more in the pastoral office because you are with the same people. You know, the, the, the old saying for the evangelist is that he comes in, blows, he blows in town, blows up, blows out. But the pastor stays with the people. So <clears throat> the reward of that is you get to see you know, the growth of people and as they grow and 
the evangelist goes with his message from town to town, never sometimes didn't get to see the, the lasting fruity results of that. So there, there is a great reward in pastoring. But on the other side of that is you get to see, like, I can't, I, you know, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. Uh, you know, and a lot of times, you know, just like meetings we had, you know, you like, you, know, you need to get here. These are going to be really good meetings and, and really good meetings, and it never fails. And just like this week, your phone rings on Tuesday. Oh, I got this major problem. And, uh, and I go there, and I think, well, <clears throat> that was covered Sunday night. Oh, we were, like, real busy. And there was, like, this favorite show on. Yeah, well, you know, that was covered Sunday night. Well, <clears throat> The kingdom operates, and God's not going to, as Pastor Billings was talking about, the kingdom operation is not going to change uh, circumstance to circumstance, person to person. This is the way that it operates. And the law of gravity doesn't work uh, in one country and not another country. It doesn't, based on, it doesn't work based on your race or your age. Right. So we really, a lot of times our answers are, are, are our answers are in the book, and we just need to open the book and read the book and know what the will of the Lord is and cooperate with the author of the book, and we'll get, we'll get better solutions. Amen. And uh, so, and then, of course, uh, Vanza C., Missionary C., he was here, and he's, and man, he just set our appetite, you know, for uh, we're, in, we're in big days. And God's done big things, and he's still doing big things. And uh, going to continue to do uh, amazing things. And uh, it's time for the manifested sons of God to stand up and, and be who we are in him. Amen. Amen. Now, my, my message tonight is more pastoral in this sense because I want to um, somehow it'll fit in all there. But uh, um, last Wednesday night, uh, before the meeting started, we were talking about the importance of time. How I many know that uh, time is something that... Uh, you ever felt like he's a little short on time? You know, and uh, anyone ever got somewhere late or you couldn't get there? I mean, we, we all have lives. It's just kind of like, whew. you ever done that? You know, you, just, you had a week that was so, so busy that you just, you know, you thought you passed yourself on the interstate. You said, there I go. No, here, no, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and all kind of things happen. I know. Uh, Michelle and Kristen, they were headed to the wedding, you know, for Brandon and Brittany's wedding, and they, they got almost there, and she's texting me because I had guest ministers, you know, that, that coming in town. I needed to, I said, one of us has got to stay because someone's coming in town, and she's texting me, and she said, there's this terrible noise in the car. She said, I don't know what to do with it. And I said, where are you at? Well, I'm not in Columbia, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not. I said, well, so they shot me a video with all my mechanical skills. <laughs> And it's, and, you know, and I just had the oil changed and the tires rotated and then told them I had a little problem with something, a sensor or whatever. And they told me uh, it would go away. And, of course, uh, they were wrong. Ain't nothing went away. But anyway, hallelujah. So, uh, I mean, that, so they sent me the video and I thought, don't drive that car. Do not drive that car a mile. I said, go outside and make sure the lug nuts are on there. Because I'm thinking, you know, the day before, I mean, there was no problem. And you mess with my tires, and the next day, it sounds like it's falling to pieces. And uh, so they never did get to go to the wedding. And uh, I think all it was was a rock. Somehow got in there, and it, boy, it sounded terrible. So I, they got home, and, and we got busy trying to do the meetings and running here and running there and doing this and doing that. And I got up yesterday morning in a hurry, so I got to do here. I got to go to run the bank. I got to go run here, go this, went to the bank. 
And I thought, well, I can't go to the drive through this. I have to go inside and backed up, you know, real quick. No one's behind me like this. Didn't see it. Hit a trash can, knocked my taillights out and bumper, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And just. <sighs> you know, when you hit something, you, you know what you hit. And I thought, hmm. But I went to the bank and I said, I just want to let y'all know y'all's dumpsters are just fine. <laughs> but my Toyota doesn't look as good as your dumpster. So I went to Nathan and I said, this is how your business keeps moving along, doesn't it? He says, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm your guy. So hell. So here we are tonight. <clears throat> so I just want to let you know that my life can kind of work like your life can kind of work. Does that sound similar to some things that you deal with sometimes? So my question is, why are you here? Don't answer me that because you've <laughs> you're like, I don't know why. Why, why are we here? And uh, well, we're headed, we're headed somewhere. And we're headed to a big place, but we have to remember that because if we, if we forget that we're headed to a big place, we'll choose the small place. The small place is the easier place because it has, there's, there, there's no pressure to stay small. If we just make small choices and small decisions, and then, we, we, we get, then what we get is small resistance against that. But as soon as you decide not to be normal, hmm? Actually, this, you know, the, the supernatural life is actually the normal life, but in the world it's not. So, uh, but as soon as you decide not to be ordinary, you know, you're going to attract all of heaven's friends and all of hell's friends. <laughs> <laughs> you hear what I said? As soon as you decide to step out, like in the book of Acts, and be who, you, who, who we are in Christ, you will attract uh, Really, you will attract angels from heaven, and you also will attract angels from the lower world. So you'll, uh, some will be your friends, and some will be your foes, and you just have to keep on moving along. And uh, the thing is, we've got to keep on moving along. So sometimes we, you know, we question, why, why am I doing this? You know, what's, 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 what's happening? Is, is, is things move along as they should? And sometimes we're, we're our own worst critic. And we think, well, you know, it should have been like this by now. Well, how do you know that? You know, after you plant the seed in the ground, you know, they tell you it's going to be two months, but you can't see it. You know, if you just looked at it, you'd look like, man, I did all that work yesterday and plowed that garden and did all this, got them stumps up, rocks up, weeds up, and all that kind of stuff. And I've been sitting here four weeks, and, and all I'm looking at is dirt. And if you, didn't, if you didn't trust the back of that package, which you read, you could just get frustrated. Hmm. Well, if this is not the back of the package, but if you'll open up this right here, it'll tell you, huh? You're not ever going to have a harvest unless you plant something. But if you, but uh, so James, I think it's uh, chapter five says the father, the husband, he said he's planted his best seed, Jesus Christ, but he said he has long, long patience for it, long patience for it. Matter of fact, well, uh, we won't use my phone because we're using it up there right now, but. Uh, um, I looked it up the other day and see if I can kind of remember it. It took uh, 200,000 years for the population to get to uh, a billion. I may be wrong. Anyway, I got my phone saved up there. But anyway, so, so in the last 200 years, we went to that to 7.5 billion in the last 200 years. Things have moved along. So it took around 200,000 years of human history to reach 1 billion, 
And in 200 and some odd years, I believe it is, we've reached seven and a half billion. Can you see the acceleration? Yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> people are coming in constantly to the world, you know, by the millions and millions every day and at a much faster pace than what they're leaving. And everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. And the church doesn't just need to hear the gospel. I mean, we, 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 need, to, we need to hear the word and we need to grow in things of God and mature the things of God. But we need to grow and we need to grow and then go. Grow and go. Right. I mean, that's really what Jesus did. He taught his disciples. He didn't teach them everything that said take off. He taught them a few things. He says, go tell that. They go tell that, come back, and they, they said, they said, Shazam. Well, they didn't say Shazam, but anyway, they just said, uh, we did this, and you know, he told them to go uh, heal the sick and cast out devils and all this, and they came back, remember how excited they were? And they said, Man, we did exactly what you said, and then demons went flying this way, and they went flying that way, and he said, ah. He said, I told you they, they were going to do that. They're supposed to do all that. Well, then he taught a little bit more, then they went, and they did some more. Well, <clears throat> our whole theme was for the week, you know, it's time to arise and shine for your light has come. But I, here's the part, and, it, and it's really a pastoral message, but here's what you're going to know. Every day of your life, something's going to try to crowd out, crowd you out for your time to take you off your purpose for what you are on this planet to do. Something is, something is going to be competing every day. Now, there's some people, it doesn't bother because they're a slug and they're happy being a slug. And so there'll be slugs in heaven. Amen. You say, well, that's kind of mean. No, there's just, they're just some people who's, um, I don't know if you know a woman, she was, uh, she's pretty well known. She was a motivational speaker and she had a uh, studio for a number of years. I heard her in my 20s. I was in a big meeting and they brought her in to do motivational speaking. I think her name was Rita uh, Davenport or something like that. But anyway, she ended up with a, a talk show and she, she had Dolly Parton on there one day. And Dolly Parton, how I many saw her movie, uh, what was the Coat of Many Colors? And uh, Dolly grew up kind of poor, didn't she? And so she, and, uh, she asked Dolly, she said, with all of her success, she said, did, did you ever expect this type of success or fame? And she says, and this is, I mean, I'm just quoting the Bible. I mean, the Bible, oh, excuse me. I, I'm just quoting uh, uh, what uh, she said. And Dolly, she said, heck yeah. H-E-C-K is what I said, in case y'all wonder. And uh, she said, of course I did. And the radio says, she said, you know, that's kind of... Uh, Different, she said. Most time when I ask that question, people said, "No, I, I, I never saw it coming." She said, "I expected it." She said, "We was, we was on the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel." She, she said, "So I knew it had to get better because there was no worse left." <laughs> <laughs> but she said, "I knew as a kid somehow that I was going to be rich and go around the world and do something amazing." She said, uh, "Mama told us that God loved us and he and he was going to use our life for something special." And she said, "And I was just really tired of what we were doing." So I was believing for big things. So uh, uh, Miss Rita said that, uh, she said she asked her grandfather, she said, well, we grew up poor too, uh, very poor ourselves. But she said she asked her grandfather one day, she said, Grandpa, you know, he worked and he was a hard worker, but he never 
really had much ever talked about dreams or ideas or wanting to do anything out of the ordinary. So she said, I was only uh, a teenager. So she, she said, I asked Grandpa one day, she said, he's out there on his porch and he had his corn pop, corn, how you say that? Corn cob, corn cob pipe. Yeah, y'all know I'm talking about corn cob pipe. And uh, said he, at this point, she said he was living on welfare. And she said, she said, Grandpa, when you was a young boy, she says, where did you see yourself being in life? He said, well, he said, about where I am. So <clears throat> he hit the target. Right now, no one's mad at Grandpa, but that's his life, right? So if that's you, I'm not talking to you. Not you can go ahead and go to sleep. <laughs> but how, how many want to do a little bit more than sit on the porch and drag your feet and smoke out a corn cob pipe and tell old stories about you know uh, a movie you saw in 1964 or something like that? Well, it's time for us to rise and shine. So all these things are going to be competing for our time. And uh, <clears throat> I want to talk to you just a little bit about tonight about uh, a key ingredient that, that we're all going to need to keep moving forward. And uh, to do that, of course, we have to have a vision. We have to have a dream, right? But one of the key ingredients that's, that's going to have to be with that is going to have to be something called passion. Passion. And uh, you can always tell what people's passionate about because that's what they talk about. It's, it's really just get around someone, you know, in, in their leisure time and, and just see what they talk about it and you know what it is. I mean, if it's, if it's shopping for the ladies or if it's, you know, for men, if it's hunting or sports, whatever what they talk about on all the leisure time, that's where their thinking's at. And um, uh, I, we, were, we were here uh, with, uh, after the service of the night and Michelle... Uh, uh, we got us a, a sandwich down there at Subway, and uh, and Brother Matt was still here, and and uh, Pastor C was still here. And we just I, she just went and got us a sandwich. I said, "Look, why don't we just stay here, be warmer, won't have to get out." And she went and got us a sandwich and brought it back. And I said, uh, "Told her, I said, Matt, I said, let me get you a sandwich." He says, "Now nah, I'm fixing to go. I got to I got to get up five thirty in the morning." I said, "Let me get you a sandwich." He says, "Now nah, I got to go." Well, those two in there got talking about missions, and, and they got all these pictures on their phone from everywhere they've been. And, of course, Matt's been to several different countries also. And this guy who didn't get a sandwich was here at about midnight and had to get at 5.30 in the morning. And we were sitting over there talking, and it was like kids in a toy store. And, it was, and this picture would bring back this memory, and this picture would bring back that memory, and this like this. And Pastor E says... I just can't hardly wait to go back again. <laughs> and, and he was just thrilled. And uh, if you ever want to, so if you ever get around him and you know him like that, he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about t taking the gospel around the world. And, and uh, when it comes to those kids and helping those kids, you know, and, and stopping, you know, maybe even death. It just drives him. He just can't get it out of his heart. He can't get it out of his mind. He said, I just live and breathe it. I called him last week and I said, did I catch you right? I need to ask you something. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I says, are you sure? I can call you back. He said, no, I'm just looking at some videos of my past mission trips. And I'm thinking, did you forget them? <laughs> I mean, is, is there some information you need? He says, no, I just, I'm just thinking about it all the time. It just, it just stirs me. 
See, that's called passion. And what I found out is most people, and it's sadly, it's a sad thing. Most people don't work, you know, they don't work somewhere where they have a passion. They work for a pension. And when you work for a, when you, when you work that way and you work for a pension, you're going to need a good alarm clock to get you out of bed. But when you, but when you're doing what you're here and you're called to do, it's not, you don't have to drag that person out of bed every morning. Because there's, there's an inner energy on the inside. There's an excitement on the inside. And, uh, <clears throat> and it just, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. So I've been in, uh, I've been in crowds. I know we was uh, in a meeting in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee twice. And we was in Birmingham. Uh, this has been a few years ago. And the, uh, Andrew Wong was the speaker both times in Johnson City. He comes every year, same month, to a church up there that's on his board. And he was in Birmingham once, and he asked the crowd, and probably uh, Johnson City's probably 800 to 1,000 people. Uh, Birmingham at the J, uh, Civic Center there probably was close to, I don't know, 600 to 1,000 that night. He said, how many of you doing what you love to do? And if they didn't pay you, you go back and do it tomorrow if you were self-sufficient. And uh, <clears throat> hands uh, was not raised up everywhere. Matter of fact, I said there was less than 2%. He said, how many are going there because they pay you, but if they weren't paying you, you wouldn't be going. And they're like, well, of course I wouldn't be going. Well, I, I get that, but wouldn't it be wonderful that if, we, that if we were doing something that we just love doing, that if we didn't need the money, we'd do it anyway? That was really quiet, you know, but anyway. <laughs> Y'all, jury's still out. <laughs> Y'all thinking about it? So it's it's really exciting to be able to do something that you that, that you love to do, yeah. right? And you're not doing it just for money, because the meet was over, and if and if and if uh, Pastor was going to receive an offer, and he already had it, so why are you sitting here talking about your job for three or four hours? Hmm. It's because you're passionate about it, right? So what a great way to live. And um, so if you're not there, let me just encourage you to, to go seek a little bit and find where that is and begin to pray. And sometimes just moving around, moving around. I mean, I left Bible school in the sense of, I mean, you know, God didn't need to tell me because I didn't need to hear it because I didn't want to hear it. I mean, this is the only thing that I said I would never do would be. I would never pastor a church. All I, all I really want to do would be a Christian businessman who would be very successful and write checks. And I would keep the missionary where he needs to go and I would keep the pastor funded. I wanted a lot of money. And uh, I wanted to be able to take care of my family, but I wanted to be able, I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to pay, just pay tithes. I wanted to be a paymaster in a church. I wanted to say they're going to build something. I'm saying, I, how much, I got that. Let's just go on the next thing. I didn't want to do the 10% and then, you know, round up, the, you know, to the, if it's over five, take it to the next dollar and add a $10 offering. I, I mean, that was just what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to write checks and knock projects out. And that's what you call a paymaster. You know, they don't, they don't keep calculators. Like, you know, what, did, did, did you hear Pastor Billings talk about he got a call from out of town, you know, what, two, three years ago? And uh, from a person, and they said, uh, just ask, I'm going to have to ask you a personal question because I don't know any other way to do it. 
Is your church paid for? No. Can I ask you what it take to pay it off? Well, if, it's a, if there's a good reason, well, we want to get involved. You know, if it's just for you want to know business, we're not going to share everything, right? Let's say we want to get involved. So he looked it up, and what, what did he say, like three hundred forty or $360,000? They said the wire will go out in the morning uh, to whatever bank, tell me where to send it. So it took a few days to get it done, but in a week, the church was totally paid off. How about yay God? Well, if God would do that for one person, huh? Now, see, this, there, there's people who they feel like that's their call as much as I feel called to do what I'm doing right here. Right. See what I'm saying? Now, that, that was not their tithe. They belong to a, a ministry in where, where they tithe, but they're, they're a paymaster. And they know the reason why they're in business. They're in business to fund the kingdom. Hmm? Right? So, <clears throat> it's fun when we're doing what we're, what we're, what we're called to do. And it's, so you have to kind of move around like I did. You know, when I got out of Bible school, the Lord didn't tell me because I didn't want to hear that. And he just kind of just left me alone for a little while. And I just, he just says, well, when you leave, you know, just go to so-and-so church, so -and -so church in Birmingham. And, and you just go there. And then after a while, the uh, pastor there said, uh, <clears throat> don't, I don't want you to come up here on Sunday nights anymore. I said, you don't want me to come to church? He says, no, I don't want you to come up here anymore. I was like, you... Now, wait a minute. I mean, I'm a Christian. Went to Bible school. What same Bible school you went to? And you don't meet in church. He said, no, I want you to do a Bible study. I said, for, for, why would I do that? He said, I just want you to do a Bible study. He said, your family's coming up here. He says, just stay home with your family. You teach them. I thought, well, one, I don't think I want to. And two, I don't think you'd want to hear me. <laughs> and three, why would I do this anyway? I mean, for, for, to, to what end? So that, he just said, I'm not asking you. His personality was such, he says, do it. And I was too scared to say no. <laughs> and uh, so we did that for a few months. And then after a few months, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to drop desires in me. So that's a lot of times people ask me how you start a church. I said, I don't know. Because I did everything not to start one, and, and uh, I did everything. I did, I mean, and I, you know, I've told y'all some of the things that I've done, but I hadn't told you most of what I've done to not start one and did everything I could to sabotage it, to make it die. So I could say, told you. <laughs> so they say, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't have a clue. Try, try not to do it. Maybe that qualifies you. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I just wanted to be the businessman and just write checks. But God had other plans. Amen. So it, it was in the moving that I found the will of God. And that's what, that's the analogy. It's kind of easier. You know, we say it's easier to steer a car if it's moving. Well, as you're moving and your heart is soft and compliant to God, you know, the Bible says we are to present not just our body, but our whole life, we're to, we're to be a what? A living sacrifice. And uh, so when we do that, God will, he'll, he'll begin to deposit his desires for you in your heart. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I begin to get these little inclinations during my Bible study. I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's kind of fun. And, and then I remember the first time I had a Bible study, 
that someone came that wasn't kin to me. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Because I feel like they feel like they have to be here. I mean, they didn't say that, but I mean, you know how your mind talks to you? I'm thinking, your mother has to come to her own son. The Bible says, I mean, she has to. I mean, what's she going to do? She said, I ain't coming there. I'm going somewhere else, you know. So I thought, I got, I got a captive audience. They have to be here, I guess. And someone came, and, and, uh, and then they came back. And I was, I was playing it real low-key, much as I could. And then, uh, then I moved out of the, uh, the business that was in, and Miss Jones is here. She, she remembers where I actually started. And then they walked in the door one day, and I thought, my gosh, I'm not trying to find people or get people. I'm still trying to get out of this thing. I'm trying to get out of this whole deal. And I'm just thinking, I'll just, you know, I'll just amuse God for a little bit longer, and he'll say, yeah, okay, just go do something else. And uh, they were there for a month. So uh, I asked Brother Randy one day, so I'm just trying to get to know him, and he was real quiet. And, and they've, been, they've heard my story for a month, and I, and I said, uh, and I'm trying to get to know him. And, you know, he's real quiet, right? He's not saying anything. And Miss Dana, she's not talking a whole lot, and everybody's quiet. And I said, and they're real nice, and they're coming in, and they keep coming back. I think, wow, they came back. But I'm really trying to get rid of this thing. So I, I just finally thought, well, I'm, I'm going to have to, how, how am I going to get to know this man? So I said, well, are you from Alabama? He says, uh-huh. I'm like, okay. I'm like, anything else? <laughs> I said, well, have you always lived in Alabama? He says, he says no, I lived in Oklahoma. And I thought, well, y'all know where Ramey is? Y'all know where Ramey is? What state? I finally found a subject. <laughs> And I said, really, what part? He said, broken air. And I thought, two subjects. I said, well, can I ask you what you did there? He said, oh, he went to Raymond. I thought, that couldn't have come up in a subject somewhere between the first ten and the first two months. And I found out, that, didn't y'all both go in the missions class? The missions class, went in the missions class. And uh, he said, well, we just drove by this place and this, the name of the church looked like it might have something to do with the word and we're looking for the word. I'm like, dear Lord, how do you do stuff like this? And that's why, and, I, and I, you've heard me say it before, but there are seven, you study out there, seven redemptive names that God, God has seven redemptive names that we know of, right? And I won't quote all of them because I might miss one. But actually, I think he has eight. And that last name is Jehovah Trickster. <laughs> <laughs> He'll let you think something that you think you need to think it that way and let you go with it. And then it's kind of like fishing. He lets you fish. I mean, he sets the hook and he lets you run, run, run. And all of a sudden he go, here you come. Here you come. So I, 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 before I knew it, here we were going. And so we, were up, we was up there ministering and on Sunday morning and doing this Bible study for six months. And then all of a sudden I just... I just said, uh, next Sunday will be our first Sunday, and we're going to start. And this is no longer going to be a Bible study. It's going to be a church. And everybody was real quiet, and we went home, and, and Michelle said, you know, uh, don't you think you probably should have discussed that with me? I said, what? She said, what you told everybody at church about starting a church? I said, I ain't starting no church. I said, what are you talking about discussing? She said, you told me we're starting a church. I said, I ain't telling nobody to start. I ain't starting no church. <laughs> I said, I'll see y'all next service. 
next Sunday or next Sunday afternoon. She says, no, you tell them we're starting church. This is going to be a church. I said, I did. There's no way I'm starting a church. So I'm like, you need to get your hearing checked or something. So I had to call around to other people there, and they said, yeah, we're excited. Uh, do you have a name for it? And I'm thinking, yeah, like, never. <laughs> Not going to happen. So can you see why people say, how, how do you start a church? I don't have no idea how you start one. You just, just try not to. <laughs> try not to start one. And, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, it takes a while, and things begin to develop, and then, God still plants seeds in your heart, and then there's, there's all of a sudden, he set the hook, and he's got you. But when you're moving around, when you're moving around, and you're praying it out, and you're, you're, you're looking for the will of God for your life, whatever God's called you to do. And it's like that game, you ever played it, or your kids played it, you know, they're saying, uh, you, you hide something, and they got to find it, and you give them little clues, like they walk a certain direction, and, you'll, and you give them a clue, say, now nah, you're cold. And it gets colder, and they'll turn that way and say, ah, you're a little bit warm. Y'all ever done that? Or kids? And then they get over and they say, warmer, warmer. Then they get right to it and you say, hot! Right? That means you're right at it. That's called passion. Passion's when you're hot. Hmm? Slug is when you're not. <laughs> Amen. So <clears throat> passion is one, like one of the key ingredients to fulfilling your vision and purpose. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's one of the keys. It's one of the main keys. Just like if you go bake a cake, I'm thinking you're going to need some flour. I could be wrong, but I think you're going to have to some flour. If you're going to make an omelet, I'm thinking you're probably going to need an egg or two. Would you agree? And if you're going to live a fulfilled life and a satisfied life and a God life, you're going to need some passion to go with it. And uh, so passion uh, is the thing that intrigues you, the things that motivate you, that just excites you, the things that you're willing to go through challenges through, uh, walk through circumstances that sometimes aren't that fun, uh, backing into dumpsters and pulling back out of them and getting in the, in the ditch with people and it going bad and, <laughs> and you're thinking, I went in there to rescue with them. I went in there to rescue them and and they end up trying to drown me with them, and you know, and just, but you just keep on doing it because there's just something on the inside that won't stop. Yeah. Amen. And that doesn't have to be doing this in the ministry. That's just whatever you're called to do. So <clears throat> I hope you're, I hope that's in your life to where you're, you know, whatever you're doing. I don't care if you're a homemaker that you're that you're doing. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it with all your might. And do it as unto the Lord. And that's the whole deal. Are you doing it as unto the Lord or are you just doing it? You know. You know, God said, come, come to me or go into all the world. Some people went and just went and other people were sent. And uh, we, we just need to find out what our deal is. We need to find out where, where hot is hot. And um, anyway, let me um, just go over a few things here about this because... You'll have these obstacles that's going to come up in your life, and you're going to have to learn how to decipher what's what to be able to stop what doesn't need to be there for what does need to be there so you can fulfill the purpose. Um, there's a, I, I forgot who the author of the book is, but uh, uh, I read part of it years ago, and it's called The Overworked American. Y'all know anyone who's American, American who might be overworked? 
y'all know one or two. And, uh, <clears throat> but you know, that's not really their problem. Maybe for a few of them, it's not, most people's problem is not overwork. A lot of, a lot of it is called meaningless work. In other words, it's out of our priorities. So the scriptures, the scriptures tells us that God help us to understand the times, help us to understand that we only have time, help us to understand to prioritize our time, and uh, so that we need to know what is, so we, so that we know what to say no to, because you're not called to do everything. And sometimes we think, we're, well, we just got to do everything. You, you, you can't do everything. There's no way you can do everything. And God didn't call you to do everything. And uh, <clears throat> so that's the deal. And there's that we people are not necessarily overworked, but they're underprioritized. And sometimes we do meaningless things, not that they're bad things, but they're not a God thing that he called us to do. And so since you can't do everything, then what are you going to choose from and it's going to be out of your choices. You're, you're here tonight. Well, you've already, looks to me like most of y'all done been here to three meetings and you're here tonight. But why are you here? See, what is it about you? I mean, so what I'm thinking is this crowd that comes on Wednesday night that are, has been to three meetings, y'all just don't have nothing else to do in life. And this is the other people are busy. That's not what it is. So there's something in you that says, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm hungry for the things of God. I want to move forward. I got a plan. I got a vision. I got a dream. I got to go. I'm going to go see what God might say to me tonight. Is that about it? And so God loves all people, but I'm just saying, you know, there's a, there's a low calling, there's a high calling, and maybe there's one in the middle. I don't know. But I just know this, that there, it's going to be a different price to pay if you're going to go to the high calling. The low column may not cost you as much, but you're not going to get there. I mean, there's a lot of ways to go to the beach and experience the beach. You can do it in a condo, and you can do it for $1,000 a night, or you can sleep in the back of your truck, or you can sleep in a pup tent. And, uh, and I've done about all three of them. And the beach is still the beach. And when I was real young, I liked camping out. But my idea of camping out now is more at least along the lines of a holiday in East somewhere in there, you know, where there's air conditioning and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Isaiah, you don't know, turn there, but Isaiah 49, 4, he said, I've, I feel like I've labored to no purpose and I've spent my strength in vain for nothing. You ever feel like you, you've spent your life doing something or into somebody else's life and you wonder if it was to any purpose or was it in vain? Well, of course you have. I'm sure you have. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, he figured it out in Isaiah 26 and 3 and 4 in the NIV. He says, he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. If you want to have perfect peace, you said your mind's going to have to be stayed on him. Well, you can't keep your mind stayed on him when you got to have your mind on doing everything. So if we, get our, if we get ourselves involved in doing everything, then we'll be doing meaningless things so we'll never get to the main thing. So what is the main thing? Then you'll have to guard the main thing. And so uh, he says, so I have perfect peace because I keep my mind stayed on the main thing. Uh, the, the, uh, the Good News Bible said God grants perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm 
who keep their purpose firm. You know, a lot of times, the reason why some people make it and some people don't, uh, Pastor Steve was talking about the other night about, I forget the numbers, about how many churches open a month or a year and close, but it was in the thousands. Um, I remember uh, Pastor Osteen, uh, John Osteen said, uh, they asked him what was his success to the ministry. Did he have any personal traits? He says, well, I mean, this, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, he said, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it revolutionized my life. They said, but Dr. about do you have any personal traits uh, that you can tell us that, you know, that caused you to succeed? He says, yeah, I do. He says, I didn't quit. He said, a lot of ministers have been in Houston and have left Houston in 50 years. A lot of them came and went when, uh, you know, when we had a booming economy with oil and then a lot of them left and closed churches and they were startup churches and they were looking to uh, come to a booming area and have a, an up and going fast church and have the, you know, a lot of finances. And then when the, uh, you know, when the oil kind of dried up, he said, they all left. He says, and I've stayed here for 50 years. He says, and I happen to know that I, far as we, we know that he says, I have been in Houston longer than any pastor of any denomination in Houston that is alive preaching today. He said, in other words, I stayed and they left. He said, and their success in staying. He said, but I had to stay through some hard times. He said, I had to stay through some very difficult times. He said, I had to stay when they sent a bomb into the church and we didn't know it was a bomb and my daughter got into it. And uh, y'all can y'all remember that when this, someone set a bomb to Lakewood Church, and I forget was it Lisa or one of the one of the daughters opened up the mail, and and her life was on the line. Didn't know she'd ever live uh, or die, and looked like she was dying, and they stayed. And uh, I know Pastor Osteen; he had one or two heart attacks himself while he was pastoring. And it looked like his ministry is over, but he says, my life's not over, and he stayed, and he stayed, and he stayed, and he stayed. So there's something about staying. There's something about setting down some, some roots and staying and sticking. And um, it's, it's real easy to start things. I mean, you could, you could start a business and just say, I'm going to go print me off some cards. That's, that's pretty easy. You, you can print off some cards. Hmm? You can say you're a carpenter. You can go get you a pickup truck and put your toolbox on and get you some hammers and a few, you know, skill saw and a few things. Print you up some cards with that, you know, and maybe, maybe you are, you know. But uh, that doesn't mean you're established as a carpenter just because you got a truck, uh, an F-150 with a, with a toolbox on it and a 16-ounce or 30-ounce hammer, whatever you call it, you know, and a, and a skill saw and a, and a drill. That doesn't make you... No, I mean, so for us to succeed, we have to, we have to be like Jesus. We have to press, and we have to do like Paul did. We have to press towards the high mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. So there's, there's something to do with pressing that a lot of people are, aren't willing to do. Uh, and then having, having a purpose in life means everything. What is, our, what is your purpose? 
Or we talked about we need passion as a main ingredient, but how about purpose? See, purpose, what that'll do, when you have purpose and you know why you're doing it, it will increase your motivation. Purpose always increases your motivation. And when you have purpose, it will decrease frustration. Because if, what, what, if you don't know what your purpose is, or if you do, uh, or if you don't know what your purpose is, then when, then when situations arise, and they will, and they will, then frustration will set in. And that's where the quit factor comes in. So purpose of life will uh, decrease frustration, but it'll increase motivation. Amen. Because when the things come, we'll know that we're not moved by what we see. How many of y'all seen some stuff? How many of y'all seen stuff you want to forget it? <laughs> what you saw, what you heard. Amen. And uh, because you don't ever know whose life you're, you're, you're affecting. You don't. Uh, I don't know. You think it'd be okay for me to tell what happened this afternoon? Um, and it's, uh, when I tell the story, it's not, it's not to bring light to me. It's just, it's, it's just, it'll fit here. So I had a call this afternoon and, uh, from, uh, from Emily, Matt and Julia's daughter from Oklahoma. And she had called earlier and she wanted to know would it be okay to call around 4, 35 o'clock? She needed to talk to me. And, and I said, go ahead, I got time. And uh, she said, well, I know you got church. I said, no, I'm, go ahead, I'm, I'm, talk all you need to. She said, well, I want to write you a letter, but I, I didn't have time. And uh, on and off. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. And uh, she said, I wanted, to, I wanted to just tell you how important it is and that, uh, and how much I appreciate what all you've done, and Miss Michelle's done in our life, in my life, because I'm here, I'm here in Bible school, in my third year, you know, at uh, John Smithwick Ministries, and she said I had no idea this year I would go to four on four different mission trips, and she said I've had to learn how to live by faith, Uncle Eric. <laughs> she said you you taught people. She says, you taught faith all the time? I said, yeah, I, I did a whole, a whole lot, didn't I? She said, yeah. She says, and, and she says, and, um, um, and, now, and, and I'm living by that, those teachings. You know, and she was talking about some of the miracles that have come through just like, you know, like this. And she said, I, I said, I know. Baby, I've been out there before. You're 700 miles away from home, and, and uh, no one's there, and God said do so, and you can't run over and say there's nothing to eat and see if you can find some pork, pork chops in Mama's freezer because Mama ain't nowhere around and, and you don't have any first cousins out there and you're just out there with uh, believing God and no one else to and uh, and you're you're believing for money to you know to get to your next mission trip and uh, pay the rent and all that kind of stuff and so she was telling me about the miracles that that had happened but she was she was just saying this is what happened as a kid and. This is how important children's church was to me. She said, uh, children's church, she said, uh, really affected my life. She says, uh, and she mentioned uh, all of her teachers, and she said how they imparted into me 
she said, which made me the person that I am today. And I said, well, you know, as you know, it all starts at home because if it don't start at home, I said, we, we, we kind of add too. But if it's not at home, you know, there's not a whole lot we can change there. Uh, but uh, and, she, and I said, so you had a good home example. She says, she said, but if you hadn't persevered and she says, I, you know, for being here for the third year, she said, I've had a lot of opportunities to be discouraged and dis disappointed because I, I want, you know, you look for it to be this way and it didn't or it didn't come when you thought it was going to come or it didn't come. And she says, you know, and I'm just thinking it has to be something like that. By starting a church, you must have had some really difficult times. I like, well, I'm thinking, what, like yesterday? <laughs> and, uh, and uh, so I, I she, you know, she was just called and I thought, well, this was how I was Emily, 20, 21. And, uh, and has, you know, really just has, you know, when she's here, she has such a heart for, for the world and for missions. And uh, it was all she could do to get to the conversation without tears. And then I couldn't, I said, now look what you've done to me. Now I'm supposed to, now I'm supposed to talk to you and you got me in tears. And she just saying, you know, you, you just don't realize when you're young, you know, how much this is shaping you. And she said, and it started in the nursery. And then she said, I went to children's church and they taught me the word and they taught me the word and they taught me the word and they taught me the word. And then I sat under your teaching as a, you know, as a, as a teenager and adult. And now I'm out here living it. And she says, what if you just said no and had went to Raymond? She said, what if you just said no and you just stayed there in the business and come out here with all these kids and all that kind of stuff? And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, God used someone and he would have, right? But isn't it cool that someone who's 20 years old can think like that and want to, make a, want to make a call and talk to you for a half an hour just to say thank you for making a difference in my life? Isn't that cool? It really is. Because, see, none of us ever got where we got on our own. I wonder how many people it took to get us where we are today. I mean, I, I, could, I could point to a number of you and whatever in, in the trade that you do, you know, and all of you would have a story. I'm sure you, you'd have to have a story of someone who invested into your life, Mr. Bill. You just didn't come up and become a master mechanic one day. Just you know, tie school and say, oh, "I'm a master mechanic." Now there were some steps in between there, and probably some in people involved. And I bet you someone helped you and answered some questions when you got stumped here and there. I remember when Scott started. I remember the day he started his business. It was kind of like forced on you, wasn't it, <laughs> to make a decision, right? And you went off and bought a bunch of tools and started off. If I remember, you know, just you know, you knew a few people and they knew you and you. Was, I mean, I may have something wrong, but, you know, if I do, if I need to, I'll build some patios or decks. I'll start there. That's kind of maybe something like that. Well, but someone, there's some people along the way that, that invested into us. And then when we get to these areas where we get discouraged sometimes, and it, it kind of, how God's got someone just right there at that time just to speak into your life and you know when you when you're at that lowest place. Hmm. And so having purpose in life to go with your vision and passion is is critical. Because if you if you have purpose, then it will it will it'll reduce the frustration because you're saying, No, this is this is where I'm headed. 
and all this peripheral stuff out here, all these externals, you know, they're just, this is just stuff on the outside and that will distract me because this is where I'm going, right? And uh, <clears throat> so that, that will help increase your motivation. Uh, I think it was, um, uh, someone said circumstances are like uh, feather mattresses. You know, had a feather mattress. But they said the circumstances are sometimes like feather mattresses. If you get beneath them, you'll suffocate. But if you get on top, you can rest easy. <laughs> you know, it felt like you were under the mattress and someone laying on it, like an 800-pound person laying on top of it. And a lot of people go through the week just like that. They go week by week, day by day, day in, day out, same thing, and, uh, and never have any... You know, uh, I, I don't have the desire or not, but they, they go through the, it's just like they're on an obstacle course or they're in a maze and they can't find their way out of it. But you won't without vision and you won't without purpose. And when you make the decision to go for and to do what God calls you to do, then you will, attract, you will attract heaven's friends also. And you will attract the people. And you will always attract what's in you already. If you have compassion for sick people, you will attract those people. If you have a compassion for the hungry and uh, those who sleep, uh, if they can find somewhere to sleep on the outside, you will attract people just like that have the same compassion. Whatever it is, if you, if, if you have a hunger, desire to feed the elderly and take care of the elderly, you, you will attract people with a compassion just like that. Like attract like. And so <clears throat> the main goal is to, is to find the way, pray the way, know the way, and, and then get moving in that way. And you will attract the people and the resources that will help you to, to fuel the vision. All we're saying is there will be many distractions along the way, so you'll, you'll, you'll need to have the passion, but you'll, you'll need to keep the purpose in front of you. Um, you know, it's like the president today. I mean, if you watched, uh, what, who did he meet with? The, uh, the president of Turkey for four hours, four or five hours, and they're trying to deal with, you know, what we're going to do considering, you know, the military and, you know, we're, we're pulling out forces here, and then they're, he's dealing with, four, and he's dealing with, uh, China trying to get a trade deal over here and trying to get the Fed to do this over here on the market over here. At, and at the same time, you've got the other, other half of the, uh, uh, the government over trying to impeach him. Uh, you, you'd have to stay focused. You know. In other words, you, you have someone trying to take you down while you're over here trying to save this part of the world over there. And you know you, you got a, you got a whole party over here trying to take you out while you're over here trying to conduct the people's business. And if you didn't have the right mindset and purpose and attitude and motivation and you let all that get in there, that clutter get in there, and you, you know, we'd be worthless. Can you see that? And so, uh, but when you have that, you wake up with enthusiasm. Um, I woke up this morning at 3 o'clock. I fully meant to go back to bed and go to sleep. I believe I will tonight, though. <laughs> but I had a little thought, 
I went back from the restroom and I turned into a little prayer. Then it turned into a larger prayer. By then I've been awake too long and it turned into morning. And about four o'clock this afternoon, it turned into, well, sure could use a nap. <laughs> Amen. I was like, Lord, you do know the, the day's coming. He's like, yeah, you'll be all right. Hallelujah. And if you have the right attitude, you know, there's, there, there's two ways to say it. Like you could say, oh, Lord, it's morning. Or you could say, good morning, Lord. Right? Like, oh, it's morning. Or thank God it's morning. Got new mercy every day. Praise the Lord. Well, <clears throat> we won't keep on going on and on tonight, but uh, um, people do it in business. You know, if you're, if you're in business or you're uh, business, people need to really just remember two questions. And out of that would be many things, subtitles to that. In other words, what's your business? And you won't have to be in business for yourself to ask these questions. What's your business? And then how's business? What's your purpose? How's it going? And if we don't know how it's going, then maybe we forgot what our purpose was. What happened in your life that took you out of your purpose? Sometimes we need a sideline. Sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we need a little rest. Sometimes we, you know, it's like sports. The, you know, if you've been running back, they don't run you every play. You got to go over and catch a breather. And that's necessary and needed, important. But I've seen a lot of people, something happened to them and it took them out forever. So don't let something that happened or what someone said or they didn't say or they didn't do take you out of the game. Because you'll have a little girl like I had today, well, a young lady, she's not a little girl, a young lady who may want to call you one day and say, thank you for changing my life. Thank you for paying a price. Uh, and what happens is that is, you know, you just finally get to an age and now you're doing things that are big time for you. And then it takes you back like, wow, well, that must have been like what it's like to start a church. And, or, and, and, and I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, I remember, uh, and I said, I'm, I was thinking, I didn't tell Emily this, I was thinking, I remember, I said, uh, I don't know if it was first or second year of school, I mean, I was getting paid on the Thursday, got paid on the 1st and 15th, and I wasn't going to get paid till the 15th, and it was Tuesday. It was Monday or Tuesday. And we had, we, had, we, had, we had no money. But I had three little kids. And uh, Michelle hadn't been picked up the fourth one yet. And, uh, but I remember, and she said, uh, we don't have any food left. And... Uh, she said, well, we have like four pieces of bread. We have a little peanut butter. We had no jelly. We had no milk. We had no cereal. We had no butter. We have um, we got a little bit of tissue paper. And that part of the man uh, to be the provider, and that was weighing on me heavy. Well, it just happened to be that weekend, that week that this was happening was when a Bible seminar where Brother Hagen taught for a week, you know, People come from all over the world. Alumni would come. And uh, I'd already been to Bible school that day. I'd already left Bible school and worked my job. And I got there at 8 o'clock after the music. And I was determined I'd go to church. 
And I got thinking, I got three little kids at home that thinks that we got something to eat and, and we don't. And I got no way to go to Thursday. And I got no one that, that, who I know to ask. I mean, you're going to go to your neighbor and say, hey, I've been living here next to you. And, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're 700 miles away from home and there's no one. And I went out to the car and, and uh, I, pulled out, <laughs> I pulled the back seat out of the Toyota Corolla to see if I could find some change. I had gas, but what I wanted was some offering. And I did find money. I found two pennies. And I felt, and I said, well, that's all I can find. So I took my two pennies. I was a little ashamed of it. And it came time for church, and church was full. There was 7,000 people there. I sat up in the balcony and got to praise and worship, you know, and Brother Hagin brought the message, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do about the kids? And I'm trying to believe God. Got my two pennies, and it's offering time. And, and, uh, and I was glad they gave envelopes out because I didn't want to put my two pennies in there. And you see, and I'm putting my pennies in pride, ego, whatever it is. But it's just, you know, that's just... On, but from the, from the one who feels like he's supposed to provide for his family, I felt, you know, this is, there's just no way to get to Thursday. And after it was all, the meeting was over, and I put my two pennies in. I started to leave to go home, and I heard some couple say they were waving in my direction. They were, we was up in the balcony. The balcony holds 1,500 people. And uh, there was, I was like in this section, and they was in that section. And someone stood, and they were going. And I looked, and I said, I said, I said, come here, would you? So I walked over, and they said, uh, are you all, are you a student here? I said, I am, yeah. They said, so, so you're going to Ramah? I said, yeah. They said, uh, we're from Florida. We've, we've never been here. We've always wanted to come, and we think God's dealing with us to come to Ramah next year. And they said, uh, I said, well, okay. I said, it's a good school. And they said, uh, well, that's not why we called you over here. She says, we're not really word of faith, but we just got introduced to the, to the word. And, and she said, I've never asked a question like this before. She said, can I just ask you a personal question? I said, yeah. She said, would it be okay if I gave you money? I said, <laughs> I said ma'am, this is a good time to get rid of your ego if you got one. <clears throat> Because they still think we got some lucky charms and we don't have no, no there's no lucky anything in the house. And uh, I said, why? She says, well, I've never had a, a vision or anything. But she says, um, you came in after church started. And I said, yeah, I just got off work. And uh, she says, uh, when you walked up, she said, my husband went like this and pointed at you. And, and I looked at him. He looked at me. And she said, I said, well, what was wrong? She says, nothing. She said, there was a light around you. And it stayed around you the whole service. And it scares me. I said, what denomination are you? She said, Baptist. I said, 
yeah, we don't get a lot of them here. <laughs> and she said, but there's been a light around you the whole night. And uh, I don't know, she gave me like 25 or $50, which, you know, it doesn't answer all your needs, but it gets you to Thursday and past Thursday. See what I'm saying? And when you thought you was through, when there was no other way, and you're sitting there with two pennies, and how are we going to get from here to here? And God, you call me to Bible school, and I'm sitting here, and I got kids at home, and I got two pennies. And what I was going to tell Emily, but I didn't tell that story. I think she already knows this. Is, that's, how I started, that's how I started the church. God said, let's go. God said, let's go. Amen. And when you go, you will attract, you will attract heaven's friends and hell's friends also. But if you'll stay with it, if you'll stick with it, and if you'll, keep your, if you'll keep your purpose in front of you, then the frustration will begin to leave because you say, this is where we're headed. And Paul said, I have pressed to, I had to press toward the mark. Jesus had to press to minister to thousands of people when he wanted people to leave him alone. John the Baptist, I think, was the only one on earth that knew why Jesus was on the earth to whatever degree John the Baptist knew. And when news came to Jesus that they had beheaded him, he had such grief, he just wanted to be by himself. But they found out where he was and they had needs. They had needs, but he had needs too. He put his needs aside and he ministered to every sick and hurting person and healed every one of them. Amen. That takes a grace to do that. That takes a grace to do that. So I don't know why I'm saying some of this. If it's sometimes there's someone here, and certainly I've applied it to my life every day, and I probably have a lot for the last year. Sometimes you, you're going to have to press when you don't want to press. You're going to have to say yes when it would be easier to say no. You're going to have to say no when everybody else is saying yes. Because if I'm going to do this, I can't do all, all these other things. And so, why are you here? What's the vision? What's the purpose? And when you discover that, the motivation will begin to increase. I mean, I mean the, the, the passion will begin to increase. And that which you thought you may never like to do, you may find that you love. Like Pastor said, he, he never thought about going on a mission trip in his life, but he just kind of got talked into it. And he said, I had no idea. I had no idea that I would love doing mission work. I had no idea. Amen. So God has some things, and you, you may already be in them, but God has some more things for your life that I don't think a lot of you has even touched yet. That's, that you have no idea yet, but if you'll, if you'll just take the next step, and you'll just take the next step, and you'll just take the next step. And I'll close with saying this, and I'm not addressing this towards me. It's good every now and then to go back and think about who's some of the people, who are some of the people that, that invested into my life that helped get, maybe it was your third grade teacher. 
I told you the story about the young woman who got my family back in church after 10 years. Remember, you've heard the story too many times, so I won't go through all that. Uh, although she's important to me and my family. And uh, what was it, about two months ago? I woke up one morning, and he says, you know, she has that store in Clanton, and I had never been there. He says, uh, she's there, go now. Well, you know, I've told her thank you before, but I had saw her in years. But I just got to thinking about, you know, how did I end up doing this after 25 years? And then I thought about her, how she sacrificed her time and her resources and, you know, to drive a 70-mile round trip two, three times a week to feed three or four people to see if she could get us into church when she had three kids of her own was driving a bus in the morning and afternoon. You know, and uh, and I had, and that led me to her church, which led me to Bible school, which led me to starting church, which led me to knowing you. And so I went to told I went and told her all that, and I said, you know, if I had, I said, because I grew up in the assemblies, and uh, and I got saved, and and I said, uh, but I didn't understand the word, in the sense of, you know, the the word of faith. In other words. We were Pentecostal and I had the Holy Ghost and I was saved and, and good people, good church. I said, but I didn't have an understanding, a working knowledge of the word like I did when I went to a word of faith church. I didn't even know there was a difference. I didn't understand the difference. And I said, if I, I said, Sylvia, if, if I, I mean, I, I'm sure God would use someone. I said, but if, but if I hadn't went to your church in Maplesville for two years, I wouldn't have been able to grasp what Raymond was even teaching. It wouldn't just went over my head. I knew nothing about the power of the spoken word. I knew nothing about authority and dominion. I didn't know anything about who I was in Christ. I didn't know that you know God wanted us to be blessed in the sense of um, you know just having our needs met. I, I really had no, I had really had no sense of understanding about authority of anything. I just thought we'd just pray if it's God's will. If it did, and it was. And if it didn't, it didn't. If you got healed, you're supposed to. If you didn't, we all, all we need to do is pray and don't you all and just say, it's like slinging on mud on the wall, see if some other stick. I didn't know that we were there as his representatives to go in his name and to get results and do the same works that he did. And I said, uh, and I said, I know I've thanked you before. I said, but it's just, I just got thinking about different people who's invested in my life. So see, that this is two months ago, I think, but that morning he says, go now. And I had to Google the store to find it. And, uh, and I said, then I'd like to go find Pastor Bobby again to tell him thank you again. She said, the Lord told you to come this morning? I said, yeah. She said, do you like to talk to Pastor Bobby? Tell him thank you again. I said, yeah. She said, come here. And I followed her. I said, where are we going? I thought she was going to show me more of her store. She took me to her back office, and she opened the door, and she said, going, I want you to let's look at my office. Guess, who, guess who's in her office? Pastor Bobby's wife. <laughs> so I kind of did, in person two months ago, the phone call I got today. Then we all just sat there and hugged and wept and cried and all that, just thinking, how many people's lives that you touched? I said, and, you know, and we haven't had a whole lot of contact. I said, but I said, uh, I had no idea when I left your church what my life was going to be. I said, but how you impacted my life to take me to the next place 
to take me to the next place. To take me to the next place. So I would just encourage you just sometime, if you've never done that, maybe sit down with us, write a letter, or, or call someone to say, you know, I didn't get here on my own. It took a few people. And, you know, not that, you know, we owe, we owe all of it to God. See, we, we give God the glory, but we, it's right to honor, honor people, give honor to people, but give God the glory. If someone gives you a million dollars, please tell them thank you. <laughs> or half a million, or even a quarter of a million, you can do that. Or even five dollars, right? Honor people who's invested and helped you, but God gets all the glory. So, praise the Lord. Well, God's good. Well, we're going to receive the million dollar offer tonight. We always take the biggest one on Wednesday night. We did a little stuff through the week at the, on the weekends. I don't know why they call it the weekend, y'all. I think it should be renamed called Strong End. See, the, the, the world goes in a negative flow. You ever notice just naturally? People, you ask people for uh, directions, and they say, well, you need to go down to the third red light. Well, why don't you say, why don't, why don't, why don't you say well, go down to the third green light? Because we're thinking about always being stopped. Well, it's, it's, it's green as much as it's red. And it's also yellow sometimes, right? Now, I need to tell y'all, it don't say yellow, yellow long, so y'all quit that now. <laughs> I think I can make it. I think I can make it. Did you see the red? Well, just a little bit. <laughs> so we'll meet again for the strong end. Praise God. I want to thank y'all for coming and supporting the meetings and being here and drawing and sewing. And Sometimes extended meetings, things happen that you can't fit into a, a Sunday morning service where you're like, you know, they got to get to Burger King or Shoney's or where, you know, with Longhorns and Wednesday night when we got school in the morning. I mean, it's every now and then we need to have some meetings where we're what happened can happen. Give God a place to be able to, not that God has, you know, it takes him centuries to do something, but I'm just saying it's good to have some services like that where we can come and just like to do that. So to me, we do it once a month on a Sunday, just have some believers meetings and just come and just let, with no plan, just worship the Lord and see what, you know, he may use you, then you, and then you, and you, and praise the Lord, and maybe a song, a hymn, or you know, just if you can't sing, don't come up here, though. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, you can read a poem, you know. That's the thing about churches sometimes is there's, that's the only problem is you have people in there that think they can sing and they can't. They just don't know it. But everybody in the church does. And that's, and that's, that's a real problem. You just don't want to hurt the feelings, so. That's where the sound man usually gets involved and we just don't tell them. It's called mute. They just don't know it. <laughs> a little bit in the monitor, not so much in the house. <laughs> and just the people on the stage have to deal with it. <laughs> but we're sparing the people out here in the house. Amen. <laughs> Y'all ready? Father, we just bless 
Bible says, I bless the Lord when? At all times, and his praise shall continually be in, in our mouth. So that means I can't do your praising. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every seed that's been sown this week. We thank you, Lord, for big-time harvest. We thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, for major increase. We thank you, Lord, for the things that were spoken into our lives in every service, in every meeting. We thank you, Lord, that we'll embrace those things and we'll ponder on them and meditate them. And you'll speak to us further and have, we'll have further conversations about things that were said this weekend. We thank you, Lord, for putting us in divine al alignment with you for your, for your plan and your purpose for our life so that we can walk as the manifested sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.